Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Amen, everybody. Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate you participating in that, and we need to continue to do that. Amen. And so, you know, the reality is we live in an evil world, and we know that. Who, who needs to turn on the news to find that out? We, we already know, and it's just, it is what it is. It's not going to get any better, and that's like, whoa, that's a great message. Thank you. I'm just, but it's the truth. But we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live, you know, in this sense of uneasiness or uncertainty because we know who we are and whose we are. Amen? And so our eternity and future is secure in him, and so, but we have to be aware of what's happening round about us. And the Bible has a lot to say about what to do in the evil day, and so we've been in a series called All Dressed Up. We've been talking about how to put on the armor of God in the evil day and the time that we live in. Um, you know, God looks down eternity, uh, to the timeline of eternity and sees everything. He's already been there where we haven't even arrived yet. And he tells us in his word through the Apostle Paul in a letter written to that church in Ephesus that we need to be armored up no matter what time we live in. In fact, he takes the first five chapters of Ephesians, Paul does, and he says, he goes, listen, you are more than a conqueror. You are the son and child of God. You have a divine destiny in you. You are blessed with every blessing, spiritual blessing, and on and on and on he goes for the first five chapters, and he's encouraging the church in Ephesus. It's going through a real difficult time. And then he gets to the end, and he's like going to put the cherry on the top of the writing, and he's asking the Holy Spirit, how do I close this? I've just spent five chapters encouraging them and building them up. And he goes, I just need to tell them, the Holy Spirit's probably speaking with them. You need to tell them before you finish. You've already built them up and who they are, and that's great, but they're still experiencing tough times. And I know who they, and they know who they are, but they're going to go through stuff, but you need to let them know that they're in a fight. You're just, you're in a battle. It is what it is. You are who you are, who God's made you to be. You're his son, his daughter, but you are in a battle. We're in this world, but we're not of it, but we're in a battle. And so he says, so put on the armor. It's going to be okay. And he starts it out by saying when you've done, well, he gets to a point, he says, when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. And what he's saying right now is Jesus has already won the battle spiritually. So Jesus has won the battle spiritually, and he says, stand your ground. What is he saying? He says, stand the ground I fought and died for for you. And I don't know if you know that or not, but in the context of the passage of Scripture, I think we think we're standing our ground. We're not standing our ground. I didn't win anything. You didn't win anything spiritually. I didn't do anything spiritually except say yes to Jesus who won the ground. Come on, somebody. Through the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he won spiritual ground, if you will, for you and I. And so he's put us there, and he's saying, stand your ground. It's almost like when you say to your kid, don't move from here, right? And you walk away, and you're like, it's like Jesus looking back over his shoulder. I'm, I'm good, I'm here, right? And it's like Jesus saying, hey, stand your ground. I fought for that ground. I gave my life for that ground. Don't move. It's yours, It's been won. Don't let the enemy distract you, detour you, drive you off of the ground I won and gave you. So you're not even standing your spiritual ground today. You're standing his spiritual ground today. And so because he's so good and so amazing, he gave you everything you need to stand in his spiritual ground. Isn't that amazing? It's not like he's like, okay, good luck to you, right? He's like, here, put all this armor on, put all these things on. You can do it. Just don't quit. And don't give up. But you need to know a few things, and that's kind of what this series has been about. And I want to take one of the pieces today, and something that's probably near and dear to my heart. I, probably one of the things that I, I probably grew up more in this prayer, certainly, because my, my dad is just such a prayer warrior. And then the word. Everything in our home was word and prayer, word and prayer. 
And we're going to take a look at the sword of the Spirit today, which is the Word of God. But let me read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 for you. We're familiar with this. I'm going to go ahead and read it. But it says this in verse 10. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in his power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And we are in the days of evil. And having done all to stand, stand, stand therefore in the spiritual ground Jesus won for you, having girded your waist with the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end and perseverance, supplication for all the saints. We'll probably get to that scripture next week. But I want to talk to you today about what we just read in verse 17. In verse 17, you see, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you realize out of all the tools given in our arsenal, this is the only offensive one? It's the only one that you use against the enemy. And in fact, the other five pieces are really there to help you stand your ground. You stand your ground by armoring up, but that sword, man, that's to deliver blows to the devil. That's to fight the enemy with. But everything else is to hold the ground that Jesus won for you. Spiritually, stand your ground. He wants you to stand firm. You don't have to fight for victory, but from victory. Jesus already has been victorious spiritually, And he wants us to experience it literally or naturally. And so we need to stand firm. Now notice in 17, it said this. It said, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That verb take right here that's used says, pick up as needed. So pick up as needed. Is it the evil day for you? Is the enemy all up in your face, your family, your marriage, your body, your finances, your mind, your health, your relationships, on and on and on? Then it's time to take up that sword of the spirit. So there's first three pieces of armor, basically are ones that you always should have on. That's the implication here. You should always, always, always have on the gospel of peace on your feet. You should always have on you the belt of truth, which is the center of everything functions off that. You should always have on the breastplate of righteousness. But there's times that you need to take up the shield of faith. There's times you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Guard against the enemy, trying to make strongholds in your mind. And there's times that you pick up the sword of the spirit. So he says, Pick up the sword of the spirit. It's the only offensive piece of the arsenal. Everything else is to help you stand your ground in the evil day. Now there's two types of swords as Paul's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, looking at the guards outside of his prison cell in Rome, and he's looking at their armor and equating it to things as the Holy Spirit leads. When he says pick up the sword of the spirit, there's two types of swords that a Roman soldier would have. One is like a three or four foot long, long sword, a broad sword, and that was to keep the enemy at bay a little bit of distance. But what he's talking about here in the Greek is descriptive of a dagger, which is an 18-inch sword they would wear on their belt for when the enemy got all up in you, right, on your face. The enemy got up so close, now it's hand-to-hand combat. Then you pick up that 18-inch sword, which is very deadly. And that's in the Greek, the sword he's talking about. He's saying when the enemy's all up in your face, you better unsheath this sword and start taking blows to the enemy. And so he's equating the sword of the spirit to the word of God. 
the word of God here. He says, I'm going to give you the sword for up close, face-to-face battle, which is the world of, word of God. Now, understand, it's the only t- tool used <clears throat> offensively because it's the only one you need offensively. <laughs> it's the only one you need. And so now prayer is a different aspect of this. We'll talk next week. It's a tool used in the spiritual realm. The word of God is a tool used in the spiritual realm. The word of God is a tool used in the spiritual realm. Those of you who are not in the world and the word of God, how's fighting in the natural realm working for you? Because we're fighting spiritual things in the natural if we're not using the spiritual weapon. Because it takes a spiritual weapon to address the spiritual assignment. And understand, everything has a spiritual root. In fact, it happens in the spirit realm before it comes into the natural realm. What you experience naturally has already been taking place spiritually. And that's why you need to get the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and learn how to use it in the evil day when the enemy's all up in your face, because you have to address him spiritually. And so, if you're, so for those of you who's like, yeah, I just have Bible reading thing, I just, I can't get that. You need to get that. You need to get that. We'll talk about that today, how important it is to be one in the word of God. It's a tool used to deal with everything attacking you spiritually. And now if you do not believe it's coming against you from the spirit realm, you won't use this weapon. But it is. And you'll end up taking matters in your own hands, and that will never work for fighting spiritual things. And so we need to understand that that's the tool used. So what is the sword of the spirit that's been given to us to use in battle. The sword of the spirit, the scripture says, is the word of God. And so my my goal this morning is to help us understand what the word of God really is for us and then helping us understand how to use it. And there's three words in the Greek that refer to the word of God. And I'm gonna give you all three so we understand how to use it. So this is how it works. The the number one, uh, number one, a word that's used uh, in the Greek for the word of God is graphe. You'll see it in your live notes. It'll be on the screen for you as well. Graphe. Graphe simply means the writings. What it simply means is I have a Bible here and it has writings on pages and it is the word of God. It is the written word of God or it is the graphe. It is the word of God. It is the graphe. It is the writings and there are 66 books which make up the writings of God, the books of the Bible. And whether you carried this in here today or whether it's on the floor of your car or on your nightstand, or your coffee table, or your kitchen counter, or maybe in the throne room, your bathroom, I don't know, it is the graphe, the word of God, in written form. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the Greek word used in verse 17, is not graphe. You need to know that, because some of us are just walking around with a Bible. Hey, devil, look what I got. He's like, yeah, so? I know more of that than you do, right? That's what he'll say, right? Some of us are, like it's our lucky charm, right? Like this is gonna protect me from the enemy. Like some of you, if we could, we, we, we'd put a, a chain on it and hang it from our rearview mirror, right? It's gonna protect my car, you know, or whatever. We got coffee table, Bibles that make our home holy, I guess, and I don't know, it's like, but this is, a, this is the graphe. In fact, if it's in your car, it's the autographe. <laughs> It was funnier in my head, my jet-lagged, medicine-filled head than apparently it is right now. <laughs> and if it's on your coffee table, why not keep going, right? It's your coffee graffe. <laughs> All right. It's the jet lag. Uh, it's the graffe. That's not what verse 17 is talking about. 
The second word of use in the Greek for Bible, uh, word of God rather, is logos, logos. And it means the message. It means the content. It means what does that mean? What, what does the graphe mean when I open it up and read it? It's the revelation that you get. And it's when you read the graphe and it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's when it comes alive in you. It's when the Holy Spirit, that's why you got to be in the graphe. You're not going to ever get a logos if you're not in the graphe. And that's when prayer comes in and meditating on the word of God because in the Holy Spirit and through prayer and meditating on the word of God, all of a sudden the graphe will become logos to you, which means it'll become revelation to you. You'll understand it. You'll get the message. The logos is the message of the book. It is the understanding, the revelation or meaning of the book, the content. Graphe is the written word. Logos is the message or meaning. The Bible is the graphe, the written word. The logos is what it means. And when you come to church with your graphe and you hear a message preached and you understand what the passage says, you've just experienced logos. I hope a lot of us get a logos today, a revelation of God's word. Because you got to go from the graphe to the logos. you got to go from just carrying it around with you to it being in you. That's why you can't afford not to have Bible reading time. And you might have to dig through a whole lot of graphe to get a logos, but boy, once you get a logos, now we're cooking. Now you got something. But it's still not what he's talking about. He's not talking about, in verse 17, the, the, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the, the graphe, carrying around the written word. He's not even talking about the logos, the revelation, because it's one thing to have a revelation. It's another thing to walk in it. And so you can have a graphe, and the enemy's like, oh, nice, I like your Bible. <laughs> and you can have a logos, and he's still okay with that. He'll still pull up a lawn chair and hang out with you all day. But he's not talking about those two words in the Greek for the word of God. He doesn't say the sword of the spirit, which is the graphe of God. He doesn't say the sword of spirit, which is the logos of God. He says the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. The Greek word used here in verse 17 for the word of God is rhema. And rhema means utterance. It means spoken. It means declared. It's the spoken or declared word of God. In other words, it is the declaration of the logos that you get from the graphe but you can't walk around just holding on to the graphe and you can't walk around just holding on to the logos. The power comes when you declare it and release it into your situation and you speak it into that moment. On the evil day, when the devil's all up in your face, he's all up in your marriage, he's all up in your kids, he's all up in your mind, he's all up in your body, he's all up in the, on that day, you need a logos from the word of God and you take it and you attack him with it, you push him back with it, you send him where he needs to go. It's a rhema, a spoken word, a declared word. You know, and I, don't ever, I don't ever get it. I, I understand where it's coming from, but you ever heard somebody say like, are you one of those name it and claim it people? Is that that name it and claim it church, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll speak the word of God and believe it to come true any situation. You know what they're saying to me? Do you get in the graphe and get a logos and speak it out? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Because that's where the power is. Because it's not enough just to carry the graphe around. It's not enough just to carry a logos around. You got to release it and speak it into your situation. He says, the sword of the spirit, your 
One offensive weapon is speaking and declaring a logos. Now, let me say something here. It needs to be a logos to you. So I know I just, the word of God is power in of itself. We'll get to that scripture in a moment in Hebrews. Uh, see, a lot of us are just reading stuff and saying stuff, but we don't even know what it means. And there is some power there, and God, by his grace and mercy, will do some work there. But God does expect his people to know what the word says. So he does expect for you to get the word in your heart. He does expect you to spend some time so it becomes a, you know what a logos really is, is a revelation of that word. Like, you know what that means. Like, I understand that now. I know what that means. It just doesn't sound good. I know I just got that off of my refrigerator magnet, you know, or whatever. I got that in my inbox every day. I get this scripture of the day thing. No, it's like, what does that mean to you? Does that mean something to you? So you got to spend time in the grafe, and you got to spend time in prayer and meditation so the grafe becomes a logos to you, and then you can take the logos that's revelation to you, and then you can use that and rhema it, rhema the enemy with the word of God. That's the logos to you, and he has to leave. The grafe is the book or the written word. The logos is the message or the revelation or content, and the rhema is the utterance, speech, spoken message. Let me say this. You can be the owner of a Bible factory, and not have a sword. Some of us have been carrying a sword for a long time. We've just never unsheathed it. we just never used it because we don't know how. After today, you're going to be accountable for it, right? You need to know how because this is our spiritual offensive weapon. See, some of us are fighting battles, losing battles, because we have yet to rhema the enemy. We've yet to use the word of God that we have revelation of against the enemy in our life. So we got to spend time in the grafe because then meditation and prayer in the grafe brings a logos to us on situations and circumstances that we're facing. And then we rhema the enemy when he comes in and gets in our face there. The sword of the spirit is the rhema of God. The grafe, the book, gives you the logos or the message, but it's the rhema that drives the enemy away. It's the rhema that the Spirit uses, the sword of the Spirit. He uses the rhema. So many of us are not seeing the power of the Spirit because we've not graduated to the rhema part yet. We need to learn to go from the grafe to the logos to the rhema. We are either stuck at grafe just having the book. And let me say this, if you don't have a book, I know, I know, and I use my Bible program all the time on my phone. But can I just make a suggestion as your pastor? Get a Bible. Get a Bible. Get a grafe. Written pages here. And if you don't have a Bible, you can go to our Welcome Center, and we'll give you a Bible. Now, we had a big run on Bibles for a service, so we have a few left. But we'll get your name, and we'll have one for you next week or the week after that. But get you a grafe. You need to have it. Don't be stuck there then, but get you through prayer and meditation. Spend time in the Word. Don't just read the Bible to fulfill some kind of, you know, I don't discipline reading thing or whatever you do every day or whatever that looks like. You gotta get in it so you get a logos from it. When it comes to spiritual warfare, when the enemy's all up in your face, your marriage, your family, your relationships, your friendships, your body, your mind, you need more than a grafe and a logos. You need a rhema. You need the logos from the grafe spoken. You need a rhema from the logos of the grafe. Now, why is it so important to rhema the logos to speak the message? Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. Let's take a look at that. Here's what it says in verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. 
I don't know if you know this, but the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And we'll get to the rest of that scripture in a minute if you could just leave it up there. When you get the message, not when you carry the book, but when you get the message, that's a living message. It's alive and it's powerful and has energy behind it. The logos of God is alive and powerful, but it needs to become a rhema. It's alive and powerful, but it needs to become a rhema. You need to declare it. You need to speak it. You need to unsheath it and use it against the enemy. Otherwise, you're just carrying around something alive and powerful and not putting it to use. But you need to put it to use. You need to speak it out. It's a rhema. It's a spoken word that releases the power. When you release it, it has life and power. You release life and power in your situation. And it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. It's a spiritual weapon. It will reveal what's spiritual and what's not spiritual. And that's important to you because our two battles in the unseen realm are spiritual and soulish. Your soul is your emotions. Like we really can't see them until you express them. So it's really unseen until you express them. Your emotions, your mind, your thoughts, your perceptions, your opinions. So what the logos of the word of God will do for you, the scripture says, when you get the graphe and it becomes a logos, alive and powerful, it will reveal to you what is God and what is not. Because there's a lot of us walking around doing and saying things that are God, and they're not, you can't, they're not even in there. I'm amazed when I listen to people and I watch the news and stuff and I watch too much of it. All I need to do is get my graphe out, turn to a place where there's some logos about the situation, and I'll find out what's God and what's not God. And most people, are, the things they're saying about what's God is not, because the word will clearly determine What's word and what's not word? What's spirit and what's soul? Uh, let me say it this way. So the logos of the word of God, because it's alive and powerful, when you get in there and get a logos, it will discern and show you what's God and what's you. What's God and what's the world? What's God and what's CNN and Fox News? What's God and what's Republican, Democrat, Independent? What's God and what's everything else? What's God and what's everything else? We can't afford not to be in the graphe to get a logos on the situations and things that we're facing in our life. Oh, let me say it this way. Based on that script, oh, no, let, me, let me finish that, that one scripture. Piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Basically, when you get into the graphe and you get a logos from God to rhema it, you know what it will do? It will not only show you what's God and what's not, because a lot of times we're saying things and believing and praying things that aren't even God. That's never going to work for you. It gets you out of the way. I think sometimes we just got to get out of the way. So a logos, a revelation from God will show us, you know what? I need to move out of the way and let God do this. I'm just in the way. My thoughts, my opinions, my feelings, my emotions, I need to move out of the way. So basically what that scripture says, it will cut you out of the way of God. And it will reveal to you what's God and what's not. It's important for us to understand that because sometimes we keep getting in God's way. 
So the Logos will do that. It will get you out of the way. And understand, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. Amen? It says this. It goes on to say this in verse, uh, the rest of it, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who must give an account. What they're talking about here is Jesus. You know, talking about Jesus, Jesus is known as the living word. In the beginning was the word. The word was, with, was God, the word was with God. And verse 14 in John 1, 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is, nothing is hidden from Jesus. Therefore, nothing is hidden from the word of God. I don't know if you think of it that way or not. That means anything and everything you read in the scripture, the graphe that becomes the logos, it reveals everything. Well, that's just for a word back in 2,000 years ago. It's different. No, 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 no. If nothing is hidden from Jesus, nothing is hidden from his word. So his word is always relevant because Jesus is always relevant. He's the living word of God. So you got to get in the graphe to get a logo so you know what's God and what's not so you can get out of the way because he knows everything and reveals everything that you need to know. It exposes everything. But it not only exposes what you do, the Bible here says it exposes what you're thinking, the thoughts and intents. Uh, let me say it this way. It not only exposes what you do, but exposes why you chose to do that. The word does that. The logos exposes everything so you can hold on to the truth. You can hold on to the truth. He says the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. Graphe is the writing. Logos is the message of revelation. Rhema is using it. And when you pull out the rhema from the logos that you now understand and believe you now give the spirit something to use against the enemy that you face. And this goes all the way back to the very beginning of the creation story. So if you know your creation story, Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning the world, world was without form and void, and the Holy Spirit, the spirit was hovering over the earth, and God said, God spoke, or God rhymed. Come on. The power was there to do anything and everything. But it did not do anything until God rhymed the word. And God said, let there be light and light was. What did he do? He rhymed that word and released the power of God to create light. Even God uses the power of the spoken word. Come on, somebody. That's the same word that you and I, that's the same power we can operate in. What God did when he spoke rhema, word of God, Things were created all the way back. The power was there. It was alive, but nothing happened until God spoke. He declared, and there was power in the word to do what he declared. The spoken word of God, the spoken word had power to produce what the spoken word called for. I just, listen, the devil's not afraid of what you carry around. The devil's not afraid of what you know. But the moment you rhema, what the Logos has given you, he's got to go. He'll hang out with you all day. Like, hey, it's a nice Bible. You should get a bigger one, right? That's what I was saying. You should get a big, one of those big coffee table ones, right? Get a coffee graphic. He'll pull up a lawn chair and hang out with you all day, even knowing what you know. If he knows you'll never use it. He'll come knocking on your front door every morning if he knows you'll never use it. Some of us are messing around with the the devil, because we, we haven't learned how to rhema. But the moment we open our mouth and release the living power of the word of God into our situation, he's got to go. He's got to go. 
When you take the Bible and use the message as a declaration, the enemy in your face can't handle it. Last, last illustration, Matthew 4. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. A lot of us will be familiar with it. Jesus had just been baptized. He was beginning his earthly ministry, but before he did, he went out into the wilderness, was led out into the wilderness, fasting. Be tempted of the devil. The enemy shows up in this moment, and he says this. Well, verse 1, let me read it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted up by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, in this moment, the devil's coming at him on his weakest point, 40 days being hungry. He knew but Jesus' weakest point, he knows your weakest point. He's going to come against you in your weakest point. But in his weakest moment, Jesus says, it is written. Jesus, the living word, needed to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word. Then how much more you and I who wrote no word need to use the same word against the enemy of the word. So Jesus, the living word. In this moment, Jesus, the living word. What did he do? He quoted Deuteronomy 8. Jesus in the New Testament reached back into the Old Testament graphe, Deuteronomy 8, and he knew what happened in Deuteronomy 8 because in Deuteronomy 8, the children of God are wandering in the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness, and they're hungry. They got nothing to eat. Jesus has nothing to eat, and God sends manna, and if you know what manna is, it's basically tortillas. He says, right, amen. He sends manna from heaven, and he feeds them, and he says, man should not live by bread. So Jesus gets the revelation, not of just, he gets, no, listen, 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 because this is here where Logos is really important. He just didn't repeat the event or what it said, because it wasn't about what Jesus knew. Jesus' revelation, if you will, in that moment, it wasn't about that God provided bread, it was that God was the provider. That's Logos. So you can talk about something all day long, but what does it mean to you? See, it wasn't about the provision, it was about the provider. So Jesus goes back to the graphe, Deuteronomy. He has a logos of the situation, not just what happened at the provision, but the provider, and he uses it and rhymes the devil with it. So the devil lets up, and the devil tries it two more times, and each time Jesus goes back to the graphe to get a logos and ramas the devil with it. And the devil finally leaves. He leaves. Hey, if the living word, if the living word had to do that, how much more are you and I? But you know, just like it worked for the living word, it'll work for you. Because you and I can go to our grafe. And we can get a logos that is appropriate to our situation and let it become revelation through prayer and meditation to us. And then we can use that and rhema it into our situation against the enemy that's come against us up in our face, and he's got to go. And that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See, we're in a battle. Whether you think you are or not, you're in a battle. The enemy doesn't want you to think you are. And then he doesn't want to think that the way to come across to drive him away is the rhema word of God. See, it's okay with you having a grafe. Have, a, have all the grafes you want. I got like 25 grafes. <laughs> He's okay with that. 
He's okay with you even know some stuff about the Bible. I'm okay with that. But when you open your mouth and you rhema, the only offensive weapon in your arsenal, he can't stand against that. So let's start getting our rhema out. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.